on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I said to myself, do you think people who are worth $100 million, you don't think that they went through this? Like, I had to really talk to myself. Like, I'm like, your woe is me. You know what I mean? Like, you got to get on it and get moving. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I've got Adrian Smalls here on the King stage today. My brother, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, we're good. We were just talking off air how being an entrepreneur is all about being flexible. <laughs> Took us a minute to get, uh, get the tech situated here on this uh, on for this show. But here we are, nonetheless. Absolutely. Why don't you tell us what kind of business that you're in, brother? And, and we'll get rolling here. Absolutely. So I operate mostly in the real estate. Uh, we handle the fix and flips. We also have a marketing division of that business that finds, locates off-market properties. And then also now we're getting into the construction and the development of real estate. So we have some property in Charleston, South Carolina. It's actually technically Johns Island. And then uh, we closed, I uh, just closed on a 3.6 acre property near Stone Mountain. It's right in front of a lake. So that's the other side of the business, but real estate, we try to touch it all. And then of course, working on two smaller multifamily deals. I love it. Yeah. You said it. a lot of ways to go in real estate. Sounds like you're touching a lot of uh, different spots. It's actually what I love about real estate. Also, I love the creativity of it and how people, professionals can get involved in totally different angles. I first got involved in real estate, not even wanting to necessarily be a real estate professional, but is I just knew I needed it. And I was wanting to put money somewhere for legacy purposes. Why did you get into real estate? Man, that's a, that's a great question. So literally like when I was going to school, I, it was all like business, right? So I went to Howard University, got a BA in finance. And I'm thinking like, I'm gonna go to Wall Street route. And you know, I have a couple of buddies like that. And so I was slowly subconsciously paying attention to my uncles who they were building houses. They were getting them moved in South Carolina. So what happens is when the government or the county or the city is about to tear down a house, if you contact them and talk to them, you can actually get yourself, you can put yourself in a position to move that house onto property and almost many rehab it and reconstruct it and put it up. So literally you get the house for free, except for moving it and putting it back together. So I it piqued my interest and I was just, I was like, yeah, I was just thinking about so much capital you need to do that. Fast forward, I got to the point where my uncle kept saying, are you going to do it? Are you ready? And I wasn't ready. And in 2014, that's when I pulled the trigger on the first deal. And I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't, I wasn't experienced or well-versed in it. What happened is someone asked me to borrow $8,000 to rehab a property she was just going to put some windows and do some other stuff. So I was like the mortgagee. I just did what I could with what I had. It was eight yeah. grand. I didn't have a hundred thousand dollars laying around. So I did that. And then all of a sudden she just defaulted and 
I kept trying to work with her on it. And she just finally was just like, you know what? I don't, I can't I give the money back. And so I literally impromptu had to take over the house. And okay, now I have a house. Now what do I do? <laughs> I was like, like most banks, I don't get in it to, to flip the property. I got into it to lend money and get a return and move on. Right. It was kind of, it was funny. That was my very first real estate deal aside from purchasing my your first home, but my investment, my first investment yeah. deal. Interesting. You know, it like what you just described is even what we were talking about at the beginning here when we were having tech issues. You just sometimes you just get thrown into something and you just gotta figure it out along the way. Um, yeah. I've got so many questions for you around yeah. uh, around all of that and the nitty gritty of that and your history. But before we jump to that, I like to ask this question up front so people can kind of understand who they're talking to and maybe your mindset after all of this that you've built, obviously that was the first story. You've done countless deals since then, millions of dollars. Yeah. Why are you still at it? That's what I want to know. Man, there's always something at a certain point. I think I'm a collegiate athlete, right? And I'm competitive and I've been playing sports all my life. And I think the will to win and to continue to build upon something is just, and it's no, keep battling, you keep doing it. It's for your own good. It's no, I got to hit this bar and make a million or whatever. You right. go past that, right? So most of us don't stop. Like it's, it's just in us to continue to build and grow. Like we're just about what is next and what can we do to impact like more people? like further reach, right? Like, where, why can't I do it globally? Why can't I think that way? Why can't I grow and continue to push myself? So I think for me, it's just that. It's just innate. Like you just, you continue to want to grow and get better and evolve. There is no destination. We all know that, right? You just yep. continually growing. So that's it. You just fighting the fight at the end of the day to be yeah. different and to leave an impact. There you go. There you, I was going to ask you, like, what's the end game? But you just said there to leave an impact, to, to have a different story written, you, your family, whatever it is. I'm curious, before, before success, to whatever mm -hmm. degree that we've established that you've reached so far, because obviously you're still going. Yeah. Was that, was this way of thinking like in you as an athlete of I'm just going to be uber successful in business? Or has that mindset of never stopping just transferred over to it kind of, it's, it transferred over to business. I had a tough, man, I was playing soccer, but I had an ex-football coach and you don't realize what impact people have on you. That's why I try to give back. I'm actually be speaking at an event for the youth next, next week, but you don't understand the impact of how you train and teach um, and speak to younger kids. And so he was just tough. He was like, there is no quitting. There is no giving up. It's for your team. You got to have that passion. And so going through that and understanding that and also the growth of being down like four to one and you get that pep talk at halftime. If you don't believe it, it's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden you just rally up with the last little ounce of effort you got and you just take it one goal at a time. And next thing you know, you're winning the game. Yeah. And when you see those little micro those little micro victories, they become macro victories when you understand that it's all about perseverance, right? You just got to, no matter how it looks, no matter how it feels, you got to keep going. And so I think business is more important about your EQ than your IQ. There's a lot of smart people who can run businesses and do a lot of great things, but I see a lot of people tap out the emotional side of it, man. If you can't raise that EQ, 
or understand it and say, I got to keep an even keel and move in positions and know that this is not the end. This is just a part of the process. Then you'll be in trouble. You just have to understand that. So I think the EQ uh, component of it is way bigger than IQ. And so that was what transferred for me. I agree with you, man. I want to dig into that. And so specifically in business, let's just jump right to something that you've done that maybe wasn't the best decision, forced that emotional persistence that you're talking about. Yeah, man, geez. In business, where do you start? I think the the thing is, even outlaying in that situation, I'll go back to that one and touch on it and I'll use others. Like the one where I started out as the mortgage person and then I went down that road. While that was going on, there was another deal that I took on in South Carolina downtown. And I thought it was brilliant to just try to help out. Hey, I'll rehab this house and I'll sell it back to the owner. She she couldn't do it. So I figured it'd be a, a win-win situation to create a lease back so that she can then purchase the house 18 to 24 months later. That just turned into an animal. And the story with these two that happened back to back is important. Because when you when you realize or you feel the pain up front, that's when you determine whether you're going to keep going in this business or tap out. So right. she, in this, this particular scenario, she drug it out for two and a half years through courts, literally like I was subsidizing the income. The judge got to the point where he was like, hey, this lady's just a squatter. And so we finally got to that point. But who was stroking that check over that last, over those 18 to 24 months while we were in court? Who had it all on the line, right? Who had to pay attorney fees when you don't have any money? So literally I had to strike a deal with the attorney. It got to the point where it was so bad. I was like, man, I can't afford to keep going at this rate. So here's what we can do. Can you literally take a small percentage of the hourly rate, bump me up on a commission side because you know you right. were going to more than likely win. And yep. you'll get your windfall on the end part. And again, that's one of the things that I started out thinking like it was going to be a $30,000 rehab. It ended up being 90. I was using credit cards to try to get through the whole thing. I was like taking on personal loans, any type of payday loans. I was working at the same time. It was just ugly. It was an ugly time. And my wife's looking at me like, yeah, no, thank you. I don't want to get into real estate. I don't. Why don't you just quit? You know what I mean? And I, I just so many times you have your discussion when you're down in the dungeon. When I say in the dungeon, you're in your mind, you're in the bottom. Yeah. You're like, man, it's dark in here. It's cold in here. No one's here. You know what I mean? And like, how do you just fight to get out of that? How do you yeah. pull yourself up out of that when you're getting pelted and every single reason to quit? So I think when you hit those roadblocks up front, and you can push past those. It's just like faith. Over time, it's like you build that muscle to say, I know I'm going to fight through it. And I know that eventually it's going to be all right. But you don't know that when you're starting out. No, you don't. And dude, obviously, I mean, I, <laughs> I hope the listener is buckled in with their seatbelt because the, the next 30 minutes, we're going to roll hard on this one, I can tell. But I could listen to you for hours, man. Yeah. I'm getting fired up over here just listening to the story. But I want to know in that moment, like, when like specifically not just in the dungeon but when you were in mm-hmm. the dungeon during that when wifey was uncertain when the courts were dragging your money like all of that what were the things that you did to climb out of the dungeon of course you remember the sports of course you remember the moments the why yeah. all the cliche success answers but what were you thinking in that moment what you actually do man so getting myself back in that moment i think the thing is hopeful Like you're hopeful and you're saying, like, give me one good thing. Like I was latching on one little, small little victory. And like I latched on to that, that one thing. And then I said, it got to the point where I said, 
this is an expensive education, right? I'm going to go through all of this and just walk away and just say, I lost all of this. Or I'm going to just be like, okay, I learned through it. So a combination of those two things, I just was latching on. And then the third thing that really helped me was the sight on the bigger picture. I said to myself, do you think people who are worth $100 million, you don't think that they went through this? Like, I had to really talk to myself. Like, I'm like, your woe is me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you got to get on it and get moving. They have countless of stories. The thing about it is that you don't hear the people that don't continue to persevere. Their stories, ah, I've I done real estate. It doesn't work. You hear that all the time. And so yep. all of those things were happening in my mind, like simultaneously. I was reaching out saying any little good thing I can figure out or any little good thing, any bump or anything, I was latching on to that. And then I was just saying, if you want to be the man, you got to be the man, right? Yeah. You got to, I just thought, I just changed it. And I think that, that toughness just started coming in like inch by inch, fight back. What are you going to do? Quit. So those things like started pulling me out of it, man. And I just started honestly too saying, man, what can you do? Stop saying it was so easy to get sucked into the victim mentality when you're getting pelted. Like you're like, man, geez, yeah. can I get a break? I was like, I could not get a break. So I was like, it's so easy to fall into that victim mentality. But I was like, man, just keep fighting just one by one. And then also even like little things when you're hearing, try to feed your some motivation and other things. Like I was just trying to pour things into me to change my mind, even if it was a temporary thing. Like I might get the motivations fleeting, right? That's like oh, here or there. But it was enough to get me like, okay, come on, get back focused. And then an hour later, you're getting a pay. There's a three-week stall on a court of appeals. You just got to be ready for it. Just <laughs> That's right. Ready. No, dude, I, I so relate to that. I think everybody listening to listening right now can as well. But I think back to three consecutive years. I own multiple franchises. We're doing millions in sales. And we had three consecutive down years. And it was probably the toughest time that I've experienced in business because I had grown really fast. And I had set myself mm -hmm. up beautifully if things hadn't been consecutive back-to-back -back down years. If we had been great years, like the last three years have been, mm -hmm. literally had been, I had done everything right. I had expanded. I had the teams that like I had invested. I had done all the, what I thought were right things and then downturn and then boom. And I think back to those moments, I had never thought about it like this until you just said this. That's when I was most glued to Audible and to videos and to the things that I needed to scratch and claw. And I was trying to find a win everywhere. And I have this quote in one of my workbooks in our mastermind. It says that confidence is the drug and winning is the dealer. And mm. so I was just like, like what you're saying, I was just scratching and clawing for this win. I got to find a win every freaking day. Right. And, uh, and that's what you just described, man. I got freaking goosebumps over here. I'm freaking ready to run through the wall. We yeah. can just end the podcast here. I think you've already <laughs> delivered. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, let's switch the energy here. Tell me about something that you did on the flip side, the, a good decision that was not so painful. Yeah, I think the thing, and I don't know if it's a good decision. I think it's a multiple decisions that I made and saying to myself, like, I need to show up in places and I need to make sure that I'm present. And what I mean by that is, I start, I got my start in the flipping side of it. I had, I was marketing, wholesaling businesses, selling off deals that we got. And one of the private investors came to me and was like, people are always watching. Never forget that. People are always watching and they're always interviewing. And she was like, I like how you conduct yourself. What you say you're going to do, you do it. And I just was saying to myself, like being in meetings and going to the meetups and stuff like that, 
doing those decisions and making myself uncomfortable, hey, just go up and talk. Like simple things like that people don't, don't think about. Most of the time, business people were we're extroverts, but we're introverts. We're so busy, like for me, analyzing the next moves and thinking about business. And right. sometimes we're like, you know, we look at people like, okay, what is the angle and what's going on? So I was like, you got to right. get over that, talk to people and attract, attract the people that you're looking for. And so that decision to keep going to these meetings and these meetups and conducting business the right way led me to the right people. And so I think it's just thinking about that and stepping forward and saying, put yourself in a situation where you can meet the right people. And just, it's all the same thing. It doesn't change. Get get uncomfortable. And I think that's the thing, those decisions that just showing up and finding a meeting, one or two meetings and seeing how you can be of assistance was the thing for me that kind of changed it. And it just goes back to mindset. Yeah. I love obviously the value of the relationship that you're talking about and how one relationship can catapult someone's entire business, someone's entire life. But and I think that every listener has heard that. And that's fantastic. What I really heard from you just now, of course, that was how, like, mm-hmm. this is what you specifically did. Search out key relationships. Fantastic. Get uncomfortable. I love it. But what I heard you say, it was that it was a history of doing it over and over and over and over and over again. Some days you went and you didn't want to. Some days you went and you didn't meet anybody. Some days you went and you felt like it was a waste of time. Some days you went and you met that person. You didn't know you met that person, but years later, you realize that it was that moment when you didn't think that it was that person that you had met that person. And then the last two years, they've been watching you or whatever the exact circumstances. So what I heard was discipline. What I heard was find the thing that makes sense and just do it over and over and over. Would you add anything to that? Yeah, absolutely. I think like the whole TV show, Undercover Boss, What it said to me is you've always got to get down on the front and be present because it would have been easy at at that point. Like the business was clicking that, oh, I don't go out in the field and I don't go on these go shows and all. I don't do that. I was like, no, I need to be out there because if something's going wrong, I'm going to figure it out in the front end. So those types of things, when you're talking about making decisions and going to the meetings and being present, present and going to the shows that we have inspections and things like that when we first started out is important because again, that's where your business is. That's the intake. That's where your customers get to meet your business. It's hard to give direction to team when you don't understand it at that level. hundred percent. Yeah. What kind of discipline or process maybe do you have now for making decisions? Man. So typically for me, I analyze it and I give myself no more than 20 seconds, believe it or not, to think about a decision. And that, why I say 20 and not instantly is because sometimes instantly you're off just a little bit. 20 seconds is I instantly made a decision, but now my mind is scanning through and making sure that I'm checking out all the yays, nays, and possibilities. And then by the time I get to that end of that 20 seconds, I'm done with it. That decision is going to be that decision. And the other thing is just like anyone else, I'm going with the gut first. If I, if my gut just, if I don't feel that, I've done so many things in life. Like in college, we purchased the gas station and the guy who sold us the gas station, I had a gut feeling. I was like, this guy is not on enough. And like, lo and behold, it almost cost us $175,000 back when I was like 25 years old. So you have to go with your gut, but I have to also validate, right? I don't have that as the end all be all. I'm going to follow the gut, but I'm going to use that 20 second rule. I'm going to analyze it. I'm listening to what you're saying, but I'm thinking through all the different scenarios and then I'm going to make a decision. 
strategically, it's about how it all fits into the landscape, right? Are you ordering the steps? And then does these steps make sense, right? That's more of a more drawn out process. As the day to day, you've got to be having quick decisions. You can't take too long to make a decision. And then I always say to people, rule number one, inspect what you expect. That's number one, inspect what you expect, hands down. I'm going to always give you that decision and then I'm going to inspect what I expect. Yeah, I do this sometimes, but for the listeners that follow along, you guys know this, but I want you to pause. I want you to rewind and I want you to listen to the last three minutes, like 20 times. I think that for the people who don't, if you didn't hear that and know exactly that's what you're doing inside your business, if there's any sort of qualms about how you can make decisions or how you can make decisions in 20 seconds, or even before that, the stuff that he gave you before that, just stop. You need nothing further. Pause. Decisions are everything. Where you are today is based on the decisions that you've made period. There is nothing further after that sentence. So literally Adrian just gave you what you need in order to be able to make quality decisions with discipline, with toughness, with a history building for yourself in confidence. Like we talked about a few minutes ago and you do that long enough, your accuracy gets good. That gut feeling that you're talking about, you start trusting it really tight and, and you make less mistakes. It doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes. It just means you let make less mistakes, which means you're making better decisions. Things are moving fast. We got to go to the speed round here. I want to ask you a couple questions here. The question that I always ask first is regarding one metric. So I want you to dial all the different things you got going on in real estate all the way down into one trackable metric is if you could only pick this one metric to track forever and ever, what would that one metric be? Man, so... From a, like a KPI perspective, are you talking dialed into the business? The, a, the one trackable metric, however you want to define that. Man, I would, the globally, I would, of course, I'm going to say the output, but I need to drill down on that. I think for me is the speed of action. Like I need to measure the speed of action. Like from the time we say yes to the time that something's implemented, because I'm gonna always be able to figure out where the bottleneck is between why we can't move something. Is it a person, a process, or something along the line that's keeping us from moving this thing forward faster? And so by doing that, I'm gonna pull out what the issue is. I'm gonna be able to tell, hey, this is the issue. This is the cog in a wheel, why you can't go from doing something in 90 days when that's the expectation. You don't hit that mark, it's somewhere in that process. So I can do that across something that is short-term or long-term. If we didn't hit our five-year goal, I'm gonna go along the process and see what was the people or process that had stopped it, kept it from moving forward at the pace that it needed to move. Because again, everything in business and life is always changing. If you can't move fast in a methodical, analytical way, you're gonna choke with business. It's You have to evolve so fast. It's like going from MySpace to TikTok. If you don't evolve and change and move fast as you can move in a process and get your team to understand that, that we don't want to just move fast, we want to move right. And to do this, back to your point, it's the constant practice of it. If you practice it, then your team can then position or reposition if something comes up. If one, one thing happens in our an environment or in our business, we can pivot quickly and deploy, we can be in six markets doing a different marketing strategy so long as we've been practicing moving at speed from first saying yes to the output. 
So speed the action. Hey, again, what a quality answer. I'm just going to move on to the next question. What book <laughs> would you recommend for a six-figure business owner trying to get where you are? That's a good one. What book would I recommend? And they're a business owner. I would say Fraction actually did a lot for me from a business perspective, right? Because you're saying that you need to move the things that you need to track and the minutiae of it, right? Who has their rocks? Who's doing what? I think is more of the technical aspect than the mentality, right? Yep. Like the richest man in Babylon and all those books are great, but I think it's really about tactical when you're in a six-figure range because if you're missing seven figures, it's all in, in what you're doing, right? Yeah. You're not yeah. jumping from six to seven because there's something wrong in your process somewhere. Yep. Yeah, that we like to call in Gathering the Kings. You haven't mastered the basics yet. Marketing, sales, client fulfillment, finance, hit repeat. And if you can't do that over and over again, that's the only thing that's stopping you really from the seven-figure market. There's a cog in the wheel, as you said earlier. So I love it. Okay. Do you intentionally network or mastermind with other entrepreneurs? Yes. Yes. And why? Because I feel like the thing is, it puts you in a position for me, it opens me up and sometimes make me think about things that I don't think about. So I intentionally network and more, I, I will make myself now. And it go, goes back to that thing. When you start seeing something work, you'll get motivated to do it. But when you meet, there's a group here that meets up and they're successful individuals and it came about from talking to one person and then talking to another person. And then when you're putting rooms and places based off of just open up, opening your mouth, you're going to, you're going to become intentional in doing it and saying that, you know, that you need to continue to do it no matter what level you're at. So now I'm definitely intentional before I was like, Oh man, this is what I'm supposed to do. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that's all you have to go off of until mm. you've built the history. Yeah, we talked about. And when you can look back on that and realize that, okay, I still not may not be 100% certain, but I'm pretty certain yeah. that you're, built, you're building the history. Okay, I got a question for you that wasn't on mm -hmm. the list. I'm gonna throw you a curveball here. If you only had one hour each week to work on your business, what mm -hmm. would you do in the one hour to successfully run your business like you do now? What would I do in that one hour? That's the great question. For me, I think the thing is, I would look, if I only had one hour to successfully run the business, what I, it's what, what are we working on? What is the, the, the I, that's always my question. What's next? That's number one. So I'm going to look at what's next, what we're working on, what we need to do to make it happen. And then what type of, or what personnel or technology do we need to get there? So I'm going to analyze that in that one hour to figure out what's happening. Where do we need to be? Where does the business need to be this week across the board from sales, marketing, or whatever. So I'm going to ask that question. Then I'm going to say what is needed to get there. And then I'm going to say what technology or personnel are we missing to get there? So I'm going to quickly in that hour, just dissect, look at reports. I'm going to look at where we are. I'm going to look at where that missing is. And then I'm going to say, okay, here's where we need to go to move it to the next stage. So that's more of a tactical thing. I wouldn't be working on strategy per se. I would be working on just tactical things from my operations to figure out what we need to do to move the business forward. So that's yeah, what I I that. what's that next, hour. what's, what's now and what's, well, what are we missing? There you go. Love it. Okay. Last question here for you, Adrian, what would you do? If you lost mm -hmm. it all, man, I've been in that situation, right? So literally like in the crash, when I was in the mortgage industry, like literally lost it all. Like why? Like I got divorced. The business was crazy. I had to move back to Charleston for a minute. 
And so I, when I started over, if I were to start over again, which entrepreneurs, we know what to do when we have to start over. That's the benefit of going through the grind. But it was just, I would just understand what I need to, the things that I need to work on right now to build something quickly. When I first lost everything, I wanted to get back into the mortgage industry, just in a different complex and rebuild. But if I lost it all now, the first thing I'm going to do is look for the opportunity where I feel like I, it's big enough in the space for me to operate. And then I'm going to go, right? I'm going to use the sales. We all have an aspect of sales. Some of us more technical than not. I'm going to look at an industry that I can go after, that I can get in the sales arena of it and then take it from there. I'm going to grow the business. I'm going to make the calls. I'm going to make the relationships. And then I'm going to pivot from there. And then I'm going to pull in using my experience from sales, the different team members or people that I need to make it happen. I think once you know what to do, you know what to do, right? So that's what I would do. I would look for an arena that I feel like is growth in it. I would make the sales myself initially, and then I would put the team around me to, to get us to the next level. I love it. I love the, just the energy that you bring to every little piece that you put into. I can tell that you're just a very intense individual. I respect it actually, because I think a lot of people, even that are close to me, how would my wife would probably agree that, that I'm intense. I think most entrepreneurs are pretty intense. It's just a matter of at what scale have we given ourselves permission to like really go for it and be really who we're designed to be or the intensity of that. And so I just see it in you, man. I just see, I see full kingship in action, the intensity of it. I see yeah. just, man, I want to run hard with guys like you. Cause I know I'm going to yeah, run man. faster, further, stronger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why not? Why not? And why not? Exactly. Let's um, do it. Adrian, how can these guys find you? How can the listener connect with you today? Where can they locate you? How can they get to know you better? Absolutely. Of course, you can go to LinkedIn, Adrian L. Smalls. You'll see in my profile on a little blue blazer. That's me. And you'll see the businesses underneath it. I'm in the Instagram some, the Adrian Smalls at, on Instagram. But those are the ways that you can mostly uh, mostly find me through LinkedIn or through, through Instagram, Facebook. I think I need to create a follower because I'm always at 5,000. Every time I go under, it goes back. So maybe I'll just do another page or something. There but you those go. are the ways you can find me. That's awesome, man. We appreciate uh, just obviously the nuggets, but dude, the intensity that you've brought here today has just been incredible. Thank you for the valuable time. And uh, I wish you nothing but success. We're going we're gonna to do something together. I already know that. I'm all in with, uh, with Adrian Smalls. Yeah, man. And so am I. Let's do it. I'm with it. I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me. And uh, keep digging for the Kings. Yeah, that's right. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 Kings specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling Kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family and communities. And here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, 
other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.